home in his presence and worship him. I want to hand it over to the team and let's stand and we'll sing some songs.
thank you tonight that you have gathered us here in your presence to worship you, Lord, to hear your word. And we fix our eyes on you tonight, Jesus. You are hope. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in us tonight. Amen. There we go. I want to encourage you to turn in the Bible now to John. Get a pew Bible and turn to John chapter 8. And if someone will shout out the page number, that'll help us all. I forgot to look up what the page number was in the pew Bible. So we're doing kind of a sword race here, a little sword drill. 894, page 894. I'm going to read the passage from John 8. 47 and following down to verse 59. Jesus said, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon 
but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, I don't know if you guys were able to see it, but um, I was given a really exciting honor last week. I got to go to the Capitol and do the opening invocation for the House of Representatives and um, offer up a prayer to our Lord on behalf of that work. And of course, right after that, they take roll and then they go into the Pledge of Allegiance. And I found myself, I mean, it, I don't know how long it's been since I've said the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, years, because I just haven't been in a situation. And I just snapped to attention. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. And the words just rolled right off of my tongue. But it wasn't until much later that I thought about what I was saying and what those words meant. And, and it reminded me of the danger of liturgy. One of the downsides of liturgy and one of the downsides of repetition is you can just simply roll right through the words without any meaning sticking. And that's, that's not good. So what I thought I would do, not then, but I was thinking about it beforehand, but what I thought I would do for this particular um, eight weeks is take something that we pray on Sunday morning every week in all three of our worship services, the 745, the 9, and the 11, and it is so familiar to us that it comes to mean something else, you know? It's like when I did the Pledge of Allegiance, I wasn't thinking about the words, I just thought I'm honoring my country, you know? That's what this means. And when we finish communion and we say, almighty and ever-living God, that can trigger in our minds a subconscious message that says, church is about to be done, we're about to go out there, <laughs> right? I mean, it, we're not trying to do that, it's just what happens. Oh, right, almighty and ever-living God, you know, and, and we think church is over. But that's not what that prayer means. There's so much content to it. So what I decided to do is take that prayer and pull the richness out of it and use that as our topics for the next, uh, tonight and the next seven weeks. So if you take your bulletin, if you grab the bulletin off the pedestal on the back on your way in and flip it over, I actually typed out that prayer um, and and I put in there the parts of the prayer I thought would be profitable for us to highlight. And by setting aside a little time tonight to look at these truths, um, 
Obviously, we need to line up ushers for next week because I'm realizing how many people didn't grab one of these. We're, we're pulling this thing back together. We'll, we'll get it. Um, uh, I, I realized that um, there's so much rich content in here, and if we can take some time to look at it, then when we pray this prayer on Sunday mornings, it will be um, that much more meaningful to us. So um, now that you guys have a bulletin, that's good. I'm glad. So on the back is our schedule as well. So it shows you the dates of the, the topics we're going to address. So tonight is ever-living God, and I'm adding in there almighty and ever-living God. And to help give a, a visual or something beyond just my words to stick this idea in our minds, I also got a picture. And I was thinking about things that are mighty, that are old, ever-living, or alive. And of course, the idea of a live oak came to my mind. So on the other side of your bulletin, there's a little picture there of a live oak. And that, that tree, um, the caption that came with that particular picture I found, said that tree was 300 years old. Now, 300 years, when you're considering the Ancient of Days, is nothing. But considering my opening illustration of being at the Capitol, 300 years is older than our country. I mean, like, this tree has been through the Revolutionary War, all those different wars. This tree has seen every president. This tree has, I mean, it's, it's been through a lot. And it stands there strong. It's mighty. And, and it's a live oak. It's alive. And, and I think about how much that pales in comparison to our God, who is it, the Ancient of Days, who's eternal. He is always alive, always has been alive, always will be alive, and he is mighty. He's, he's a mighty God, he's mighty to save. And as I was praying through that particular concept, I thought of this passage from John chapter eight, where Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And if you don't catch that reference, it's a place in the Bible where Jesus says, I am God. There's nowhere where he says it literally like that, but it was very clear what that meant to his audience, which is why they picked up stones to stone him as a, as a blasphemer. They were gonna take him out because he just claimed to be equal with God. And it's a reference to the name that God gave Moses when Moses said, who shall I say is sending me to the Israelites? And he said, I, I am that I am. And so the way this is played out is Jesus is saying, before Abraham was, I am. And it's a direct answer to their question about him being greater than Abraham. In verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? What a great question. Who does Jesus make himself out to be? Well, he makes himself out to be the son of God. He makes himself out to be the one who was and is and is to come. He's our eternal God. He's the one through whom all things were made. He's the one who, when killed, couldn't be held down and, and rose to new life. He is alive. And that is so important for our faith, that we don't worship a dead God, we worship a living God, that he is here with us, that, that Jesus is alive. And that changes it from a religion to a relationship. That's what we preach in this church, and that's what faithful people believe, is that I don't just know about God, I know him. And Jesus says, you don't know God, to the Israelites. He said, I know God. If I, if I said I didn't, I'd be lying, but I'm not lying. 
And he's showing a massive kingdom clash that is happening right here in this passage. The verse that I really like is he says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If he keeps my word, he will never see death. And then they change it slightly and it says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Obviously, Jesus does not mean a physical death. He is talking about spiritual death, a separation from God. Those of us that keep the word of God know him, and even though a physical death will happen, our souls are alive. Our spirits will continue on. We will continue to live in Christ. This passage is helpful to us because it does talk about our need to do some of the work of discipleship, of developing that relationship, of staying close to him. One of my goals for Wednesday worship is refreshment. You're here, you've come into his house, you've done work to get here. You fought through traffic, you, some of you came straight from work, and yet because of that, you are drawing near to God. And you are doing what he's saying, you're keeping his word, which of course is the, the whole, the, the fullness of his teaching when he's speaking of his word. The, he gives this teaching in a really uh, intense moment. He's at a thing called the Festival of Booths, or the Tabernacles, they call it. And it's a, it's a Jewish feast where they were commemorating the time when the Israelites wandered, wandered through the wilderness. And they had, these, they had to set up a tent for them, and then they'd move, and they, they, they were living in these little tabernacles. And God fed them with the manna, and he, and he took care of their thirst by water that miraculously came through a rock in the wilderness. And as I said Sunday, that rock is Christ. From, from Paul's word. And Jesus, in the midst of the kind of fulfillment of that whole ceremony, stood up and he said, I'm living water. They had a whole ceremony where they would pour all this water out to remember the water coming from the rock. And here is the rock, the one who fed them in the wilderness, stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, come to me and I will give living water. He also says, I'm the light of the world. And then he says, and I am I am. In other words, I'm the son of God. I'm God in your presence. And, and it was such a sad thing that then he has to sneak out of the temple because they've rejected him. If Christ is the, the light of the world and he's the living water and he's God and he has to sneak out of the temple, his presence has left. has left the people of God because they rejected him. And he's saying, if you, if you keep my word, you'll never taste death. There are a number of different ways that we can go about keeping his word, being watchful for him, um, pursuing him in, in times of prayer and reading the physical Bible, reading the written word, um, being focused on kingdom stuff. And it does take work to keep that relationship close. And the other thing is that there are false forms of um, life, derivative forms, you know, um, things that we can do that will give us a temporary reprieve or a little bit of rest or um, a, a temporary satisfaction. And tonight, we're going to come to the Lord's table and we're going to take his body and blood into our bodies. We're going to have the prayer teams available to pray for you. And I want to invite you to think about, am I keeping his word or am I pursuing other things to satisfy myself? Maybe there's something you need to lay down tonight, or maybe there's a burden you've been carrying that really is bigger than you can carry. Let's take those to the Lord in prayer and say, I lay this at the foot of the cross, give me your strength, Lord. 
The Lord is big enough to carry this stuff for us. He's big enough to help us. He is living water. He is the light of the world. He is God. And he's here in this place. And we've devoted this time to him. Therefore, keeping his word, honoring him with our worship and our prayers and our praise. And so my prayer for all of us tonight is that we would take a deep drink of the Lord, that the spirit would fill us and refresh us, that we would be able to get through the week to the next time we come back to his house as his people gathered, that he would speak to us through those prayer times. We do communion a little bit different in that we make it a little bit more accessible. We encourage you to spend time at the rail when you come up here. You might feel tonight the need to go to prayer first. The prayer ministers will receive communion first and then they'll be made available for you. If you wanna come for prayer first and then come up for communion, you can do that. If you come up for communion and you want to stay at the rail, feel free to kneel there and hang out with the Lord. We're gonna have communion with him. So there's no need to rush away. We'll just, we'll just jump around you if you're still there, that's okay. Um, and even if you need to wait a little bit before you come, after everybody's been served, um, I'll hang up here, hang out up here for a little while um, and, until everybody has had a chance to come and, and then when we get close to the end, then we'll, we'll conclude with a prayer. But what I'd like to do now as we transition from God's word to the table is I wanna pray. I'd like to um, have us together kneel and we'll join in the Lord's prayer. And boy, before you do that, wait, I'm not, not ready yet, not yet. Um, before you do that, I, I wanna explain um, something else about the way that I'm doing the Eucharistic prayer on these Wednesday nights. I'm not using the typical prayer book form that we use on Sunday morning, but I am following <clears throat> a very specific pattern. Um, I'm, and I, I look at it as a Father, Son, Holy Spirit pattern, where the first part of the Eucharistic prayer points to something about who God is, God who created us, who loves us, how we fell, and he didn't abandon us, but then he sent his son. And then I do the words of institution, as they're called. You know, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to come and say, come Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine and make them for us spiritual food and drink. So each week I'm trying to emphasize different things in that Eucharistic prayer. And I wanted to explain that pattern to you so that you could kind of recognize it as it comes. And um, after we join in praying the Lord's Prayer, there is a call and response beginning to this liturgy that I put together for tonight. So um, don't keep your heads bowed or you won't see what's on the screen. Um, it's just a simple beginning to that prayer. But let's, now you can kneel and then we'll, um, we'll pray. And let's together, um, let's just pause for a moment of silence in God's presence before we go to the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to reflect on life and that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and things that you might need to lay down and what burdens you're carrying and what you would like him to do for you this evening. Come Holy Spirit. And now we together join in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. And now eternal God, you are worthy of our praise and thanks for you spoke your word and all things came into being. You fashioned us in your image and by the breath of your mouth, you provided life. When we rebelled against you, we experienced death instead of life. Though we chose the path of rebellion, you would not abandon your own people. You sent your son, Jesus, who embraced our humanity. He gave himself up to death on our behalf and he set us free from the bonds of sin and showed us the way of new life. On the night before our Lord Jesus Christ died, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I'm remembering now how on that feast of booths, they would pour the water into the cups at the end of the ceremony. They would make a big deal of God being the living water. Jesus fulfilled that in himself. When after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. And now I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come upon these gifts of bread and wine, that they would be the spiritual food and drink, the body and blood of Christ for your people, that you would nourish us, that you would give us strength, that you would help us, Lord, to remain in your word. And now all this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. These are the gifts of God, and they are given for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. I want to ask the prayer team and Terry, who's going to be my chalice bearer, to come forward, and if you guys will play some music for us as we receive communion. Um, after they are served the bread and the wine, then they will go to different stations around so you can look and see who the prayer teams are now and take advantage of their ministry this evening.
I want to invite you to stand. If 
If you will turn the bulletin over to the back, we're going to join in that prayer. It's all right if uh, prayer ministry is still going on, you guys are going to be here after, so feel free to head over to the prayer teams. They'll hang around after the service for as long as people need prayer. Um, I'm certainly going to take advantage of them tonight. Let's give thanks now to God by together joining in this prayer. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. And part of our vision for Wednesday worship is not just meeting with the Lord and refreshment, but it's also meeting with his people and having fellowship. So we've prepared some cookies and refreshments out there. So I want to encourage you to hang around a little bit and join us uh, in sharing that fellowship. Now I'm going to give the benediction from the letter to the Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And now let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.
and I'm just giving him an update on our pursuit of better interest rates. Um, basically, it's that $5.5 million number if, all, if we appraise well, and we're going to go do a comparable five places in the Northeast Florida area and kind of get a sense of that. Um, that would be the only thing that could hinder that. But on a three yeah, if it was worse than 85%, is what they're looking for. I think 5.5 is the number that could be pursued. Um, so, but aside from that, they are totally on board. They were like, how about we refinance this month? Why wait? And we're like, yeah, we will happily do that. We will consider that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.